Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. Today's episode is going to focus on one part of a person's body we don't always talk about. Actually, when I was growing up, this part was never referred to at all, as if it didn't even exist. Yet it does exist in or on my body. Hmm, depends upon how you look at it. And now in 2022, most health educators make sure to include this body part when talking about reproductive parts. What body part am I talking about? The clitoris. To help talk about this body part and why we need to make sure it's part of our puberty and sexual health conversations with young people is Janelle Tay. Janelle is a health educator who provides tools for school health teachers focusing on healthy skill development and the person behind the website, Janelle Tay. Thank you so much for being here, Janelle. Would you like to say hi to our audience and tell us a little bit about your background? Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me today, Lori. I'm excited to be here talking about one of my favorite topics, the clitoris. And so let me just give a little bit of background. I'm a health and physical education teacher, and um, now I've turned to full-time curriculum development, really focused on providing comprehensive skills-based health resources for teachers, and also starting to really focus on sex ed, both on helping teachers learn how to confidently provide sex ed to their students and helping parents build skills so they can actually have these conversations that maybe feel a little bit awkward and embarrassing with their kids. So I run a website, Project School Wellness, which is a health education website. And yeah, I started doing that in 2015. And now I am doing full-time curriculum design. So that's, um, that's a little bit about me. Excellent. And you have some courses for parents and teachers. I should say parents and other caregivers as well as teachers regarding puberty. Would you mind telling us a little bit about them? Sure. So I have right now, I just was promoting recently a free, like how to talk to your kids about periods, little crash course. It's just a short video with some diagrams and just go over when to talk to your kids about periods, kind of what to say, even there's a script in there that you can follow or adapt. And then looking at the best period products, which I know might seem like is if you're someone who's had a period for many years, you're probably like, hey, I already know about these. But let me tell you, there are so many more options from when I first had I like my first period many, many years ago. And so that's actually something like really important for parents to familiarize themselves. And hopefully they even find something that, you know, maybe is new for them and works better for them. Then, you know, how to prepare your kid for the first period. And then also, what do you say to your kids that don't have a period and how can they be great support to other people? That's the first thing I recommend people looking at because periods tends to be an entry point for talking to your kids about periods. Then also I have a how to talk to your kids about sex course and I call it reimagining the talk. And in there, there's a section on puberty and it's just this comprehensive resource for parents to have 
many, many different conversations about sex with their kids and puberty is part of that. And so, yeah, that's something that parents can check out also. Actually, I believe we first got connected through email because you checked out the Talk Puberty app and found a spelling error. This is... (laughs) at least an, a year and a half, two years ago. And it's a simple app for parents and other caregivers or other people to use in which it could help start or continue conversations mm-hmm. about puberty. And I really appreciated that you reached out to me because we both recognize the need for people to have tools for conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're passionate about talking with young people regarding the truths about growing up, including puberty. And can you tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about this? Yeah, I think from a personal point of view, I just look back at my own experience during puberty, growing up in a home, very loving and caring and supporting home, but just didn't have a lot of conversations about puberty or sex or anything like that. So I felt growing up that there was this part of me that would clearly things were going on. I don't know if you've seen Turning Red, the new Disney movie, but I could uh-huh. really connect. I could really <laughs> connect with that with that movie because it was just like these things going on and I just, I didn't know what was happening. Right. And so I look back and those not having access to people that I could have conversations with feeling the shame and the uncertainty and the awkwardness with it, it definitely has been formative to my whole life and to who I am now. And I deeply wish that I would have had space to have some more conversations and had more knowledge. So I think that for me, I'm so passionate about it when it comes to my students and to empowering parents to have these conversations with their kids is that I just really believe that young people, they need and deserve to have this, a loving, trusting, like informed adults, adults in their life that are, that are there and willing to have these conversations that maybe seem hard or well not seem hard they are hard and I just think that kids deserve that and you know growing up is so hard and then you add social media and a pandemic and all of these other things and everything gets intensified so I it really just comes to down to I just think that people really um they deserve to have full understanding of what's going on in their body. And even though it might be a little awkward or uncomfortable they still deserve it and it's so fundamental to how they're going to grow up and interact and interact with themselves in the world. And yeah, so that's, that's why I'm passionate about it. Thank you. Thanks for explaining that. And when we got connected, reconnected, and I asked if you would want to be on the puberty prof podcast, I even asked like, what topics would you want to talk about? And talking about the clitoris that was on the list and why, why do you think it's crucial that Adults talk to young people about this body part. Yeah, I I think some people might think I'm a little bit wild because like even the other day um I on the in the park a parent was like asking, "Oh, what you know, I don't know what to say, what not to say, when to say it." I'm like, "Oh, just say everything." She's just like, you know, like, "Oh, what do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, my 3-year-old knows what a clitoris is." <laughs> And it definitely like, (laughs) I could tell it took them back. And I was like, okay, Janelle, let's um, be a little more tactful about having this conversation. So when I say it's a favorite topic and then I'll talk about it with anyone, I'm not kidding. But so in terms of your question, why it's so crucial, I think that before we can even talk about why 
talking about the clitoris is so important. I think got to step back like a little bit and about why talking about bodies in general are important. And so if we, you know, think about our own life and I saw this message or this post on Instagram, I think it was, and it was like, the thing about bodies is that we don't, we're not born hating our bodies. That's something that we learn. And so when I think about my three-year-old, he just moves through the world with complete freedom, right? He doesn't try to cover part of his body that he hates. He doesn't avoid certain activities because he's unsure and worried about how he's going to look and how people are going to perceive him. He just moves with this freedom and joy and happiness in a way that like, I don't know any adults that does. Like, I know I, I trying to read, to unlearn that, but it's there, right? We do things. We try to cover up. We make ourselves smaller. We do different things. I think that at the heart, like recognizing that, that, that how important that relationship is between our body and our joy is so important. And so, you know, when, when we grow up talking openly and honestly about our bodies, we innately learn that our bodies are good. And then we internalize, Hey, I'm good too, like full stop. But if we don't learn about our bodies and people don't talk about it and there's secrecy and there's like, you know, labeling of bad and dirty or wrong, then we start to see, oh, there's something wrong with our body. There's something wrong with me. So if my body's bad, then I'm bad or I'm less than or something's wrong. And like, we got to understand, I think when we think about talking to kids about bodies, we have to understand that connection between like, the relationship between self-esteem, self-worth, self-confidence, and like the messages we internalize about our bodies. So I think that like, before we even can talk about the clitoris, I think we have to like establish that. And then it's like taking a level deeper when you bring in the clitoris and the vulva vagina area, because those are places of the body that get a lot of negative energy, right? So either it's used as derogatory terms, and I'm not sure what kind of language we can use on your podcast. So you can cut this out if you need to, but like, if we even think about the, the use of the word pussy, like it's, that is the female body. That's the vagina. That's the vulva. That's the clitoris. And people use that as a way to say that you are weak and to say that you're being childish. And like, we really, if we really think about that's like a primary lesson that people learn about the vulva, vagina, and clitoris, because people don't overtly talk about it. And then, or we, we just learn things like just inaccurate, like the clitoris is tiny and then, or it's not talked about at all. So when we, you can look at the bigger body picture, but then we, we narrow down and look at just the clitoris and the vulva, we can see the really harmful messages that people are internalizing about themselves about their body and then what they internalize about themselves. So I think that's, I don't know. I think we have to start at that spot and then we yep. can look at some like misconceptions. I'm so glad you raised the point of children in which a lot of children, they have this natural curiosity about their bodies and the love of their bodies that sometimes mm-hmm. when children are going into a bathtub or out, it's like naked time. They want to run naked through the house. Mm-hmm. And then it's a certain point. It's like, that's an embarrassment. It's like, why is that? Certainly in our culture in the United States, we do cover up our body parts and mm-hmm. other places of the world, they don't. And even for like toilet training, there are certain cultures that understand that for part of their training, the child is naked, you know, if they're at home 
And Mm -hmm. it's part of the child understanding their body better to note when they have to go to the bathroom, they Mm -hmm. go into the bathroom setting. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a household I was invited into for dinner. It was a neighbor of mine when I was getting my degree at Texas A&M and they were from, I believe it was South Korea. And they let me know that their little one was going to be potentially naked at a certain point, and they trusted me to be with their child. They knew I was an educator and, and you know, I, I will always support the safety of children, but they just gave me a heads up. Like, you know, this child might be doing that. I was like, okay, not a big deal. And it was so nice to see that the child felt comfortable with their body. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. so you're right. Then this, this shift happens. And then what we phrase things for these body parts, we have so many slangs for mm-hmm. reproductive body parts and I always put on the table, like when you think of the word ear, how many slang words are there for the word ear? Mm-hmm. There aren't, you know, hearing hole, maybe something <laughs> like that. One. Yeah. But we have to have <laughs> all amazing. these. And that starts the barrier right away with kids mm-hmm. that we don't feel comfortable talking about these mm-hmm. body parts because we can't even call them what they are actually are. It's a penis. Yeah. It's a scrotum sac. It's a vulva. It's a clitoris. That's part of your vagina, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are the words that we use. So Mm -hmm. what are some recommendations you have for parents and other caregivers about how we can lessen their feelings of awkwardness about talking about these body parts Mm -hmm. with kids? Yeah. And I think the first thing is education. Like you, you need to familiarize yourself. What's like really happening, which kind of makes me think of the, the misconceptions that people have about the clitoris. So like normally if you hear things about clitoris, it's called a tiny bundle of nerves, like emphasis on tiny or a lot of the conversation as people become sexually active is that, you know, for some women, the only way like emphasizing only way that they can have an orgasm with all the air of a quote unquote clitoral orgasm being less than, or as if it's a weakness of the person that they require clitoral stimulation. Right. And so the, I think we got to look at that and say, Hey, is actually our understanding of the clitoris even correct? So then we look at this and we look at the misconceptions. It's not tiny at all. What you see on the outside is only part of the clitoris, right? It's a much larger organ. It's internal and external. And there's, you have the external part above the urethra opening, but then extending beyond that, you have like the legs, you call, you can call them that go around the vaginal canal and the urethra. And when a person's sexually aroused, right? Because penis and clitoris derived from the same biological materials. They're both made of erectile tissue so that clitoris can become aroused to become erect. And then you can be stimulated externally. Like if we'd ever talk about it, that's typically how it's talked about or internally through penetration. And so that's something that I find most people that they don't, they don't even have any framework for understanding that. So then that connects to the next misconception that that, or this idea that you have this hierarchy of orgasms you have at the peak is an orgasm. If you can orgasm through just penetration alone. And then the lesser orgasm is if you require clitoral stimulation. Well, newsflash, all orgasms come from clitoral stimulation. It's either that it's being stimulated from the inside 
Um, so the internal portions are being stimulated or it's being stimulated externally, even like the G spot that's stimulating the clitoris. So that language and understanding is super, super powerful and really, really important that people understand because truthfully, if you're going to have these conversations about it with your children, you have to like get to a point. I'm not saying you're going to be completely at peace about it, but you got to make sure that you're feeling like you're growing in your understanding and comfort. And, and then I think that the, the last, like kind of the last piece of that is this massive misconception that the penis and the vagina are the counterparts. And that's not true at all. Now, when we're only talk, we only talk about things through reproduction that makes sense, right? Because we say, hey, the penis has to go into the vagina and then ejaculates and that's how a baby is made. But in reality, the penis and the clitoris are the counterparts. So like my little three-year-old, if he says, mama, how come you don't have, or where's your penis? And I say, oh, I don't have a penis. I have a clitoris. I know that for some people that's like shocking, but it's not accurate. And if I can, you know, kind of do a little explaining when we have, when we talk about the sexual and reproductive system and parts, we have kind of have three things going on. One, we have pleasure, sexual pleasure, right? Which is why most people engage in sexual activity Two, um, reproduction. And then three, we have urinary processing. And so in male bodies and, um, our bodies with penises, the penis does everything. It's the all-in-one system. It's a super handy tool, right? Like you, uh, it provides pleasure. It delivers sperm and it's where urine leaves the body, but for the female body or for, you know, vulva carriers, it's, it, you got three different things going on. Very complex, right? You have the urethra, the bladder, the urethra opening, that's where the urinary processing is. You have the ovaries and the uterus, that's reproduction. Then you have the clitoris and the clitoris is what manages the pleasure. And so um, we got to make sure that we're understanding that there's different things going on. So if we only want to talk to our kids about reproduction, if they have a penis, they're still going to experience pleasure as they grow up. That's kind of a, ends up being almost like a, just a natural byproduct if you're only going to talk about reproduction for your kid that has a vulva, they might never experience sexual pleasure. And that's something you really have, like we really have to actually understand that because if you only frame pleasure as something with that comes from the vagina, or if you only talk about penis and vagina, then of course people are going to think, Oh, I should have a, an orgasm every time I have penetrated vaginal sex. And that's not true. So my mind is bopping all over the place here because you you're raising certain things that I know some listeners might be like, wait a minute, you just jumped to orgasm. And I'm trying to even talk to my kids about puberty. And it's the reality of like, when, when we're raising children, we want to prepare them for bodily changes and the mental and emotional, social, spiritual changes, you know, that's a growth process, you know, and there's tools out there. You can check out. Janelle's there, the classes, her, the period talk, you know, there's information there. You can go to amaze.org to look at video clips there. Uh, You can pick up my book, the common questions children ask about puberty. There's so many different tools out there. So certainly if I'm thinking you would advise, if you're not comfortable to jump to that pleasure section, go in steps. But Mm -hmm. I do find it interesting that we, 
we do want to prepare our kids that one day, most of them at a certain age will engage in sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. We're not saying during those pubescent years. Uh, And what the research tells us is when we talk openly and honestly about human sexuality to young people, they delay the onset of being sexually active, or if they are sexually active, they are more prepared. They use protective Mm -hmm. devices like a condom or something like that, and they have a higher success level with that. Uh, But regarding Mm -hmm. pleasure, it's like sometimes that's often off the table for discussion. Yeah. Yet- for those of us with a vulva to understand what pleasure is, it sometimes mm-hmm. takes years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so how can we, and if you're somebody with a vulva listening in, it's like, so how can we prepare our young people that once they become sexually active or even beforehand, like that they understand there is this other part. I really appreciate how you broke down parts. Like there's that urinary part because we have mm-hmm. that urethra opening. There's the vaginal opening, and that's part of that reproductive part if mm-hmm. if somebody ovulates and they're able to have a child, and then there's that clitoral part. Mm-hmm. But that part is usually the last or forgotten about part. Yeah, yeah. You know, so do you recommend that we go like, okay, talk about puberty and talk about body parts, but make sure we include this part. So mm-hmm. upon being sexually active or exploring that they can experience pleasure or understand their pleasure. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really hard because when we talk about sexual things with our with our children, we project a lot of our own sexual shame and feelings on it. So I think a common thinking would be like I can't teach my 1-year-old, like I can't call my 1-year-olds like say clitoris when I'm describing my one-year-old's body, because we're projecting all of this sexual shame that we've internalized through our whole lives of never being told about a body part of being shamed for how we experience pleasure with that body part, because we're told it's less than as, as like someone who has a vulva um, and just like that embarrassment, that awkwardness, this, the confidence. So we end up projecting this onto our child when for my three-year-old it's just information. Like there's no emotion attached to it except information. And I just think like, oh my goodness, how freeing would that be? I think you have to almost think about this. It's like, okay, acknowledge that I feel awkward and shame and uncertainty, but what if my child didn't feel that? What if my child could be raised and they never felt that? Now, I think the next thing is worrying oh, if I teach them about the clitoris, they're going to want to have pleasure. Well, not teaching about the clitoris is like not teaching about the penis. And there's no kid with a penis that doesn't know what the penis is. Obviously it's external. And I mean, it's like out there. So it's a little bit easier to see, but I think we have to like really pause and think about things like that. Think about, there's my shame. Do I want that for my child? No. Thinking about this person knows about a penis. They're a kid understanding that the penis and the clitoris are the ones that are connected. And, you know, I want to acknowledge, I know it's not easy. I know I did not talk about sex at all growing up. Like I've been in a blessed situation where I was pushed to teach sex ed before I ever had kids without that. I would be also like, what do I say? So I want to acknowledge that it's not easy. 
So let's say that somebody's listening in, in which when they hear about puberty, they're like, yeah, well, you know, I'll give my, my young person the tools for understanding the body changes and there's great books out there. We'll have a talk, but regarding pleasure, that's not my focus because mm-hmm. procreation, like sex mm-hmm. is about procreation. Mm-hmm. It's not about pleasure. Mm-hmm. The first thing I would ask that person is when's the last time they had sex for procreation, not pleasure. And it's probably going to be when their child was conceived. <laughs> so I think that like, we, we like to frame sex, talking to our kids about sex through the lens of reproduction, because that's the only way we're comfortable talking about sex, right? Framing everything through, through reproduction, that's safe. We don't have to get it. It's black and white, right? right? You do this, you do this, the egg does this, the sperm does this nine months later, bomb. And then we, you know, it's neat and tidy. But the problem is life isn't neat and tidy. Sex isn't neat and tidy. And if we just ask ourselves that one question of why do people actually have sex? It's rarely, rarely for the sake of reproduction. We want to feel close to people we care about. We want sexual pleasure. We want to express emotions. We want to build connection. You know, we want to do different experiences. We want to feel connected to our bodies. We rarely actually have sex for reproduction. Now, I want to recognize that some people are not, they go through a lot of infertility. And so that's a little bit of a different story. But those that don't have infertility issues, they really rarely have sex to reproduce. So I like to call it authentic sexuality training when we decenter reproduction. And instead we talk about why do people actually have sex? And so going back to that idea of the, the three systems that are happening in the body. So if we only frame sex, the reproduction, because the penis is that all in one system, the male body pretty much always experiences pleasure. It's good for them because you have to ejaculate to have a baby. Now, I think there are some very rare incidences when you can have, a, can have an ejaculation with no orgasm, but realistically, pretty much always having an orgasm. Now, you do not need pleasure for a, to make a baby in the female body. You don't. like, And so it's really, really dangerous if we erase female pleasure from the conversation. Actually, it already has been erased from the conversation. We continue to erase it from the conversation. And that's, you know, for a number of reasons, right? First of all, this is not fair. It's not, it's not fair if one person always has an orgasm and the other person literally could either be in extreme pain or just blah. And they're just doing it because they know that that's the role they have to play, right? So when we only talk about sex through this lens of reproduction, because of that all-in-one system, the male pleasure ends up being like innate, right? And then because we don't understand, if we don't talk about the clitoris and we don't understand that the vagina is not the penis's counterpoint, then this female pleasure pleasure basically gets erased from the equation. And this is a this is massive. Like this is a huge, huge deal. One, because it's just wrong, right? Like everyone should be feeling pleasure Two, If we want our children to be connected to their innate sexuality, they have to be informed on how their body works. And a huge piece of this is that you cannot truly establish consent unless you are informed. And if you 
don't understand fundamental aspects of how your body works, you're not informed. And that's like something we really, really need to think about where of course we want our kids to have consensual experiences, but we have to think fully about what that means. And then the third thing is just like this for me, sexual experiences need to be reciprocal, give mutual satisfaction to everyone. And if all of the priority gets placed or not even the priority, if it's just expected, the man has pleasure, the won't like, and I say man, I, won't, I, I mean, the penis owner has pleasure, the vulva owner doesn't, that's not an equitable experience. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my child either in a non-equitable experience where they are not having pleasure. And I don't want them to be an experience where they're the only one having pleasure and they're not even aware of what's going on with the other person. So bottom line, I think it's, it, I know it's hard. I know the topic of a clitor is clear is hard, but I think if you can get yourself comfortable, it's, it's going to improve your well-being, and it's going to massively improve your child's well-being because they're just going to live they're going to grow without all of this shame and they're just going to have like, just be so at peace in their bodies. What I'm going to recommend is that if you're listening in and you're like, yeah, I totally agree. That's great. Continue having these conversations with young people, empowering them. If you're like, well, I'm unsure, certainly check out resources to empower yourself Mm -hmm. with more information about Mm -hmm. body parts for sure. And if you're a person that's like, okay, wait a minute, I was just pushed like a little too far. I'm going to ask you to reflect in which I'm a Mm. huge processor and reflector. Something that was running through my mind as Janelle was speaking was I am repeatedly shown messages when I put on a television or if I go to Mm. the movies, I'm repeatedly shown messages, untruthful messages. That's what I'm repeatedly shown Mm -hmm. in which like watching the show Grey's Anatomy, which I love watching repeats, but watching that some of what's shown for sex is so wrong. Having a quickie in which both people are having pleasure. You don't even hear about the talk about consent or concern about, you know, pregnancy or anything like that, but they don't show the truth. They have this this experience mm-hmm. where both partners walk away like, yeah, that was great. And that's not necessarily so the truth. Yeah. And everything is like, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. If my doctor just had an experience and they're about to do a procedure on me, you know, wait a minute, you know, so they're not seeing the truth. So how can we have our kids understand more of the truth. So mm-hmm. those of us that have struggled with even how we express ourselves or what our enjoyment is, how can we stop having unhealthiness mm-hmm. in romantic and our sexual relationships for future generations? And you might be like, you know what? I'm not sure how to do this as a parent or caregiver. So I highly recommend reaching out to people like Janelle to learn some new things and perhaps you'll even be healthier for yourself or uh, provide resources for your young people that they can feel comfortable going to. And they're reliable, they're reliable Mm -hmm. resources. So please consider doing that in which our time today, we're coming to an end yet. I want to ask Janelle, is there anything else you wish to share or say before we end today? Yeah, I just, I just want to like really give, create space for parents to give yourself grace. Like it's it's such a learning experience and so many of us did not 
have open and honest conversations growing up. And so it's really, really hard. And I, I often see like, how do you have, you know, questions like, how do you have talk about sex without it being awkward? And I just, I don't really like that question. I mean, I no, I like the question. I don't like the common answer in this idea that it, it won't not be awkward because truthfully it's going to be awkward. Embrace it. Like, that's the reality of it. If you've never used language like this, if you've never had conversations, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but I'll tell you this, it will get easier every single time you do it. And so embrace the awkward, give yourself, you know, grace, get to know your body first before you ever like, that's where it's got to start. And also I have free printables. If you want to, you know, look at those, you can download those, uh, practice out loud. (laughs) practice with a trusted partner or in the mirror, like, uh, you can totally do this, but, but also it's okay if it takes time. And how can people find you connect with you? Yeah. So I, um, am trying to do less social media in my life. Cause I get <laughs> very addicted to it. So you can always message me on social media and I, um, I don't even know what my handle is right now <laughs> because I'm not on there. So you can I'll, I'll message it uh, inconsistently, or you can find me online at projectschoolwellness.com. You can contact me there or janelletay.com. And you can also message me there. Yeah, I'm happy to talk and always have different workshops going to different things for teachers so or and parents. <laughs> And I'll make sure that there's a link in today's description for this, this episode. So if you want to connect with Janelle, that you're able to connect with her, if you, for some reason, can't find the information, you can go to pubertyprof.com, send me an email at pubertyprof at Gmail, and I will give you her contact information. And I really appreciate your time today, Janelle. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it is so neat to be connected with another passionate health educator. So thank you. And for our listeners out there, I hope that you've learned something today. I hope that even if it was a little challenging, like, wait a minute, puberty prof, where are you going? We're, We're talking about stuff that I'm not used to when we talk about puberty, but this is part of growth. And we know that sometimes the most challenging things that happen in our lives can be the stuff that makes us more of the people that of who we really are. So I I hope that you appreciate the information that Janelle shared today. And again, if you want to contact me, please do. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by The Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, common questions children ask about puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.